I want to share uh, something special. I'm, this is going to be a continuation of last week. Um, prophetically speaking, there's a couple places I want to take you today as to where I feel the body of Christ is today. You know, my main function as a minister of the gospel is to preach to the body of Christ. And then and Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So uh, I love doing the work of evangelism. Our church has been very faithful over the years to win people to Jesus. But the main role and function of my ministry calling is to touch the people that are in the body. And um, one of the things we talked about last week was about prophetically being uh, where the children of Israel were on their way out of Egypt and on their way into the promised land to go first into the wilderness to worship God and then into the promised land. And the whole movement, this whole movement um, happened out of one word that was given to a man named Moses at the burning bush. And God spoke to this, through this bush rather that was not being consumed by fire. And God spoke to Moses and said, um, uh, go into Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And tell him, I am has sent you. So Moses goes with the authority of God and, and, and begins to deal with the highest man in the land, the king, the Pharaoh, the ones who's, who's in charge politically and in every other way. And so, by the way, God does anoint us to deal with all those areas of government as well as uh, on a city level, lo local level, and within the church. So he goes, and, and of course we know the story, and, and you can study it out for yourself. If you don't know, it's the book of Exodus. It's a powerful s story, and you get lots of revelation from it. But the basic gestalt of what I want to you to receive today is prophetically is that each and every time Pharaoh finally breaks down and says, yeah, I'll let you do it, he recants. Bible says God hardened his heart and he, he would not let them go and it makes it even tougher and harder for the people of God each and every time and there are plagues in the land. Everybody say a plague. Now this is interesting to note because right before the breakthrough of them getting out of Egypt, that was a miracle by itself, but now for them not to just survive that but to thrive and have a miracle breakthrough at the Red Sea um, they were going to and thrive. They were going to have to have another miracle of God for that to take place. But there were plagues that happened. And <laughs> we did not just get a national plague with this thing called Corona. We got a global plague that hit everywhere in the whole wide world. You couldn't hide from it called Corona. And so we would consider that a plague, which Psalms 91 gives us authority over, by the way. And those that don't know, begin to claim Psalms 91. That's your authority scriptures over your life every each and every single day. And watch what God does for you and your family. Now, that's, that's just the word of God. That's just true. So there was a massive plague that hit. And death was coming as a result. And we called the Passover because that's what happened. It was called the Passover during that time. And, and everyone who applied the blood upon the doorpost, the, the Bible says that the spirit of death would pass over. And that was the children of God. And so now they're, now they're uh, the Bible says as a result, they had to be shut in. So we had a plague. All of us had to be shut in. They're talking about another shut in coming, coming to us. And all those different things and aspects. And, um, and so we are right there prophetically. And yet at the same time, God says, let my people go. And they, they're set free to go. But now they're up against the Red Sea. And their dreams and, and desire for freedom is dashed once again. They can't move forward. And they can't even go back and try to 
you know, <laughs> collect some sort of uh, uh, secrecy and, and, and hide and go back and think, you know, maybe no no even notice. The Bible said they plundered Egypt of all their wealth and they've got Pharaoh hot on their tracks and they can see the chariots of Pharaoh coming to either take them back or to kill them right there in the wilderness. How many knows that's not easy to handle when you don't have any answers, don't know how to go forward, you can't go backwards, you are just stuck, and you might even feel like God sets you up. It's like everything we've done, every inch of the way, it feels like just the opposite is happening in our lives. But then they cried out to Moses, said, look, you left us out here to die like dogs in the wilderness. At least we had three squares a day, and we had a, a little bit of a, 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 a pharaoh on our backs and, and pushing us and, and beating us. But at least we had some food and some warmth and, and everything. We had security back there. Now we're going to die out here like dogs in the wilderness. How could you do this? And Moses says something that I want to say over you today. He says this, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord today. Somebody say hallelujah. Can I prophesy that one more time? Stand still and see the salvation of your God today. For the enemy that you see today, you shall see no more forever. Hallelujah. Now lift up your rod. Lift up your rod, Moses, and divide those waters. And you and those walk across on dry ground. And they begin to create their march and begin to walk on dry ground, going toward the promised land. And here comes Pharaoh. He's coming in with them. It still looks, looks like it's not over. But God has got something up his sleeve that the devil don't know nothing about and kills their enemies. And one fatal swoop of the Red Sea, the very thing that saved, the very thing that saved, the very thing that saved the children of Israel was the thing that brought down all their enemies. I'm telling you, God's going to use something in your life that looks like it's been the toughest thing you've ever walked through in your life. And it's gonna, he's going to show you a miracle and you're going to get to the other side. And what's going to happen? The enemy is going to be crushed. I'm preaching pretty good right now. Everybody say this. Say, but with God, all things are possible. One more time and write that in the comments. Somebody that's watching, say this. But with God, all things are possible. Father, today in the name of Jesus, we release the spirit of faith in this place, Lord God, even the gift of faith and gift of boldness and fierceness, Lord God, a spirit that says we won't back down, give up, or give in, or cave in, Lord God. We're not going to break down. We're going to break through to where you've called us to in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let forth your angels go forth even now, Lord God, to do the bidding of the word of the Lord that today just won't just be somebody hearing the word, Lord God, to encourage them, but we'll hear it and we'll speak it and declare it until the angels have something to work on an assignment to bring our enemies down and bring our destinies to us I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ anoint these lips of clay I pray in Jesus name and let it prophesy everybody said amen and amen give the Lord a good shout of praise one more time I like it he likes it God likes it hallelujah one of the characteristics of God is that his desire is always to multiply and renew you. 
Everything about God wants to multiply and renew everything about our lives. As a matter of fact, even in your human body, the body speaks. It's prophetic all the time. It speaks because the Bible says, the Bible says, the science says that in fact that your cells, every 60 seconds, there are millions of new cells being created in your body. God's always renewing the old. Come on, somebody. And he's causing it to become new again. That after a seven-year period, they say, you're not even the same you you were seven years ago. You completely have changed internally with all the cells. And a cell is known to split and multiply. So not only did God take those cells and renews them, but he splits and multiplies them. Everything about God renews and multiplies in your life. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. It says this. This is familiar to you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amplified Bible says this. Now, faith is the assurance. Everybody say the assurance. The confirmation, the title deed is what faith is. It's the confirmation. You, you order something at Amazon, they give you a confirmation number saying it's done. You haven't gotten the delivery yet. Come on, it hasn't come to you yet, but you know it's on its way. I haven't seen my product yet, but I've got the confirmation. Or I got a car. I don't have to take the car to the DMV uh, to show them that I have the car. I take my title, and my title is the proof of something they can't see. Does that make sense to you? That's what faith is. It says it's the title deed and confirmation of things we hope for. Let's just stop right there for just a moment. Things we hope for. What is it that you hope for? Hope is that thing inside you that sees a different place of where you're supposed to be. Hope is that thing that, that desires uh, and brings you joy of a you, maybe in your future or even in your current circumstances. What is it right now in the theater of your mind? How do you see yourself? Can you see yourself? Filled with hope, uh, vi victory. See yourself winning the battle. See yourself physically better. See your marriage stronger than it's ever been. See your children serving God. Right now in your mind, can you see that? That thing gives you such peace. That thing gives you such joy. It brings such happiness and contentment to your heart, knowing that everything's going to be okay. By the way, there's nothing wrong in living in the place of hope. Because hope is what? It brings what? It's the confirmation of things we hope for faith actually has hope to believe in it has somewhere to go faith has to have it has to have a direction you don't just shoot a gun or an arrow any old way you have a target right and faith rather hope is your target and that hope is the thing that makes you happy on the inside come on somebody it's okay to be happy it's okay to have good thoughts and, and then it says this it says this being the proof of things faith is the proof of things we do not see with our natural eyes and what it is the conviction of their reality faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses i can't prove to you out here what i'm feeling inside or where i know god's taking me in my life but I know it's real to me. And the more I stay in a place of faith, come on, y'all, the more I get stronger in my faith, the more alive and more visual that thing in me becomes till it becomes a reality. At some point, God will bring the manifestation of the thing that you're hoping for. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take a little bit further than that. Church, here's the revelation you need to receive. Everything you need has already been provided. 
So it's not hoping against hope or hoping without hope. I should say it that way. I have a revelation that everything I hope for, everything I desire that's going to bring the change in my life, I have a revelation that God has already provided for. That's why he said, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is already being done in heaven. Everything I need, get the revelation today. It's not like God's got to muster something up and try to hurry up to make you something out of nothing so you can have a victory. God's, he's not surprised by where you're at right now. God knew exactly where you'd be, whether it be a mess or triumph or whatever, and already made a way where there seems to be no way. God has already prepared and predestined your future. God pre-planned it. And that's why the word says to call those things that be not. I can't prove to you right now in the natural, but I'm going to call to them like they already exist. When I call my dog to me, I expect my dog to come. When I call someone on the phone, I expect them to pick up the phone. When I call for things that be not as though they were, there's a great anticipation and expectation that God will provide. And the revelation that I have is that God already has provided. I just need to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Call those things that be not as though they were in your life. Why? Because they are. I said because they are. Faith reaches beyond the natural and into the dimension of the spirit realm where God has already provided and where all things are possible. We're talking about the God of the impossible. It's never a surprise with God where we are at in life. We have the story, and we have many of them, of, of how Abraham was told to go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice his son there and that his son would become the sacrifice. You know, the son got a little suspicious when there was no sacrifice. And said, Dad, we got some ropes for the sacrifice. We got the, we got the knife to kill the sacrifice. We got the fire to burn the sacrifice. We ain't got no sacrifice. Son, I hate to tell you the bad news today, but you're the sacrifice. We don't see the struggle of Isaac. Isaac is likened to the son of God being crucified. He's put upon the altar. He gets bound by his father. And just when he's about to take the knife and take his own son's life, the Bible says in that moment, an angel of God appeared out of the throne of God, throne of God, and said, do not do what you plan to do. Abraham, God has seen your obedience. Now look over yonder. There's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. That shall be your sacrifice. And that day he said, I know God differently than I've ever known before. And God got a new name that day. It wasn't a new name to God, but it was a new name to Abraham. And that name was Jehovah. Jehovah Jireh, which means this, God's provision shall be revealed. In other words, the ram was there the whole time. Abraham just couldn't see it. What's in your life right now that God's already provided for you? You just need to have eyes of the spirit to see. Am I preaching all right this morning? How about we have the, 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 we have the fact that Jeremiah, the Bible says, don't be afraid of what you prophesy. Uh, he, said, he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. I provided everything before you ever got here. Watch this. God already gave purpose before he gave you a birth. There was already a purpose before he gave you birth. You couldn't be on planet earth without a purpose. Every single person has an ordination of the most high God, but it has to be what? Revealed unto you. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord 
has made. Before you got to today, God already prepared provision for you today at this very moment. And by the way, you got a future too. And God has already prepared. That will be the day. That will be the day that the Lord had already prepared for you. Rejoice then and be glad. I didn't expect to preach this this morning this hard, but I feel the pulling of God this morning. Somebody needs to have the sound of joy coming up out of their own voice and give God a victory shout. Everything you need has already been provided. Come on. That's why with boldness, Elisha could get up in the morning and not be afraid when he's surrounded about by all the armies against the living God and against the prophet of God and his servant. And, and, and all of a sudden, his, his servant Gehazi wakes up and says, Prophet, uh, why are you just chilling and just sipping on your Starbucks this morning and reading your Bible? Don't you know the devil's come today to take us out? Look at all these thousands of chariots coming to kill us. And we just one and two. That's all we got here. Oh, no. He said, God, uh, open his eyes. That he may see what I see. And he opened his eyes. God opened his eyes. And when he did, he saw flaming chariots of fire and the angel of God with their back toward them and facing toward the army saying, today will be a day of victory. You're not going down. All you got to do is know that God has already provided. Joshua, see that the Lord has this day given Jericho into your hand and the mighty men fall and how the kings bow their knee in your presence. It hadn't happened yet, but God had already marked it down in that books of history forever that that day would be the day that Israel and Joshua would take Jericho. Everybody say God has already provided. Write that down in the comments. God has already provided and encouraged people. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of, the, of man the things which God has, has prepared for those who love him. Most people can't see it. Most people don't have a, re- let's put it that way, most people don't have a revelation that God has already prepared something so their eyes are cut off to seeing their circumstances and seeing the limitations and seeing what can't happen their ears have heard too much of CNN and all the other ends and all the other networks and listening to all that stuff and they can't see a way forward because after all it's so bad out there it's just so ugly out there it's so terrible out there but what about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ what about what God promised what about what God has to say he said no your eyes won't see it your ears won't hear it It will never enter your heart what God has prepared for those who love him to those who do not understand him or have a relationship with him, but God. Everybody say, but God. But God has given revelation. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God says all you got to do is get out of that world. Quit looking. Got one foot in the world, one foot in my kingdom. You'll never see it that way. 
Every day I get up, I pray over you. I pray over this church. Every single one of you. Somebody will call out by name. God will put certain people in my mind. Sometimes I don't even know your name yet, but I see your face. I said, Fine, I know something. I'll say, Lord, just begin to touch them. This is what I do. And I pray every single God, may our eyes be enlightened. May we see what we couldn't see. Give the people of God an advantage over the world. Let them hear your voice where nobody else can hear it. And then, Lord God, give them the boldness and the strength and the courage to carry out that mandate. So how do I or you attain the things which God has prepared for us? Well, we can't get it any other way than through the area of faith. Now, you can go back to my Thursday nights, and we've been talking a little bit about faith. And, and faith is very important because if, you, if your word level is low, your prayer level will be low. If your word and prayer level both are low, your faith level is going to begin to tank. Next thing you know, you're living on fumes. How do you know when you're living on fumes? When bad news comes and you start going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, Jesus, anybody, please. They start throwing Hail Marys, and I don't mean any disrespect to the Catholics, but you know what I'm trying to say. Anybody that listens to us, I need somebody to help me today. And you start going through, oh, my God, i got to listen to somebody right now. I hope, hope Pruitt's on today. I hope, uh, I hope Creflo's on today. I hope, uh, I, hope, I hope T.D. Jakes is on. i got to have a word today. And now you're in panic mode because you need to get, and that's good that at least you're going toward the word of God. But now it's going to take some time to build yourself up. Why don't we live in faith every single day of our lives? My word has to become number one in my life, the word of God, and my prayer life has to become number one in my life. If I spend some time in the word and some time in prayer, very tough for my faith to begin to, to, begin to wane. My faith gets built up by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Faith, church, is not just believing. You can believe and still never have things come to pass because faith is more than believing. Faith is believing something so convincingly that your walk, your, your, your direction, your actions begin to move toward that thing. I believe so much that I'm actually beginning down to move my life in that, that direction because the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So somewhere we're going to have to begin to mingle what we believe with our actions. Now don't step out until you believe. Build yourself up with the word of God, preaching like this kind of stuff, building yourself up to believe, and then get it strong in your heart, and then begin to initiate action, because that's corresponding action with what you believe. That's what faith is. Now, prophetically, I told you we're at the Red Sea. God showed me something this week, where we're also another place prophetically. It's interesting how, <laughs> how where the, I feel the body of Christ is, and moving into the new year and so on, and where we're going is so, uh, it's all over the word. It really is. Take time, you'll see it. But he, he brought an interesting uh, passage of scriptures to me that I felt were very prophetic for now, uh, for us uh, as a people and us for uh, globally, uh, as a people, uh, as a citizen of the world and so on. It's, it's like what God is saying and doing right now in the earth and, um, and how it corresponds with faith action. So in the word of God, there was a king by the name of Jehoram. And Jehoram was the son of King Ahab and Jezebel. Now, I'm going to say this because people need to understand. These, Ahab and Jezebel are listed also in the New Testament, but under different terms. So in other words, it moves from physical bodies in the Old Testament to spiritual entities in the New Testament. You can see it. So we're not dealing any longer with just the spirit of Ahab and Jezebel, but the spirits that control them in their time are alive, and I should, shouldn't say this, but unfortunately well 
in the new covenant era as well and also in 2020, specifically in the church. You'll see it on a national scale as well, but specifically within the, within the church. And their son became king. They both died. God judged them, and they became, he became king. Jehoram's name means God is exalted. God is exalted. Uh, first four letters of his word, is, uh, his name is J-E-H-O. Jehovah is J-E-H-O. That's where we get God, and the rest means, means he is exalted or God is exalted. So what happened was, was there was a king of the, of the Moab um, people, the Moabites, and he would always give and pay respect as an alliance, uh, I would say more of a peace treaty between the nations, uh, to Ahab every single year and would deliver to Ahab uh, a thousand sheep and a thousand coats of wool from rams. It was a, an offering that was made. It was expected. It was a, a place of respect as far as their, 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 their peace treaty was designed to be. And when Je- Jehoram became the king, Moab, the king of Moab decides he is not going to respect that. And so it was a, it was a massive disrespect to the whole entire nation of Israel, not just the king, to not pay that offering. And so Jehoram said, we can't allow this to take place. All the other nations will see this and think they can get away with stuff and we'll have more problems than we, what we need. So now they're talking about, they're talking about their international uh, affairs. And so Jehoram says, we will go to fight against them. We'll go and we'll go fight against them, but I'm going to need some backup. Now, Jehoram is the king of Israel. In those days, there was two kings, the king of Israel and the king of Judah. The king of Judah, you may know this, was King Jehoshaphat. And he was the king of Judah. He, said, he went to him and said, will you fight with me? He said, everything I have is yours. My horses, my chariots are yours. My people are yours. We are, we are as one. Consider me in. They felt, felt it was a mission from God to go and make sure they didn't allow this nation to disrespect God or their entire nation. It was a big deal in those days, especially in those days. And so it was a truce break or a covenant break. And so we have to put our foot to this. We have problems with other nations. And so Jehoshaphat means this. Again, the first four letters of Jehoshaphat, J-E-H-O, Jehovah. So what does it mean? The rest of Jehoshaphat, what does that mean? It means God has judged. So we have God is exalted and God has judged. They joined another king with them, the king of Edom. They don't give his name, but he's from the Edomite tribe. Now, now they come together and the three kings decide that they're going to go to war against this, um, this, these nations. Moab decides we will take on the battle. We're, we're going to win this battle. We're not going to respect you or your God. And uh, uh, the king of Moab calls the king of Ammon, says, will you ally with us? They were already allies. Yes, we'll fight with you. So now you have the Ammonites and you have the Moabites. Now what's interesting about the Ammonites and the Moabites is this. This was something that started out of ancestral relationship between Lot and his daughters. Some don't know that. Let me tell you something about the Bible. The Bible is so true. It will give you information you don't even want to know. And it talked about how, this is why I love the Bible. It gives you the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's how you know you can trust it. It don't try to hide nothing. And so Lot then, the Bible says, went because he was afraid of the people of Zoar that were going to kill him and his family and took two of his daughters. And they hid in the cave for a season until the law was going to blow over. And and they decided, the two daughters said, look, there's no lineage or no legacy for our father. And it was totally selfish. We have no men to get us pregnant, so we will lay with our father. And they got him drunk one night. One daughter laid with him. The next night got drunk again. And he didn't know what happened. He was so out of it, didn't know what happened. And so and they uh, they both became pregnant. Here's the interesting thing about that. They both became pregnant. One names one child uh, Moab, 
and the other names the other child, Ammon. And that's where you get the tribes of the nations of the Moabites and the Ammonites. Started out of an ancestral forbidden relationship with their father. This is how you know it's totally heathen, heathenistic, right? And not only that, as I begin to study this out, this is so powerful that the people of Ammon or the Ammonites served a God. Now, when I say God, I'm not talking about a pillar somewhere or a stone somewhere. Yes, they would erect them unto their gods. But I'm talking about a real living entity, deity, that was a part of the sons of God. The Bible talks about the sons of God was, in fact, a part of the Elohim or the council of God that did sin and did fall and came to earth to rule. This is how this went down. And the God that they served was the God called Molech. And Molech said, I'll give you what you want, but I want what I want. And what I want are the children. Every single one will offer a child out of the family to me to be sacrificed, and that baby will be passed through the fires. And that spirit still is alive and well on the earth, and it's called abortion. And I'm here to tell you that God is going to deal with the spirit of abortion. Molech is still alive and Molech is still well and God says enough is enough and when God says enough is enough it is over and I'm here to tell you that's coming now watch this so it says it says Molech said I need the babies I need the babies for the supernatural to show up in your life and the other spirit or the entity I should say God little g God that the other people the Moabites they serve was Chihosh and what did Chihosh and what did Chihosh want Chihosh said I'll give you what you want but what I want is all the children and I want the children to be offered to me in my temple and there will be an anointing on them that I'll put on them, an evil thing. And he says, I want them to become prostitutes. Every child will have a prostitute child for the men to have their way with that child. And that spirit is alive and well, Chiroth, called pedophilia. Now I'm here to tell you that God's about to raise up a Jehoram and also a Jehoshaphat. In other words, God says, I'm about to judge it and I'm going to get exalted through it. Somebody say Amen. I believe that is happening. Get ready for massive exposure like you've never seen before. God's about to turn the tide, and he's about to even make the heathens say, enough is enough. You watch what I prophesy. Even the heathens will say, we can't have this in our nation any longer. And then he said, they said, we need a prophet because we're out here, we're out here, we are th thirsting to death. They were in the wilderness preparing for war, but it wasn't coming fast enough, and so they had no more water. And so we need a prophet because we, this is what they begin to feel. They begin to feel so overwhelmed by this pressure of the people and pressure by their enemies and pressure of not having anything to drink themselves that they said, maybe God is setting us up to fail. Maybe God's not in this after all. Maybe the children of Israel, church, felt the same way. That they, they said, look, we did everything he wanted us to do, and now we can't move forward. We're about to be killed here. God, what's up? What are you doing? I think people right now in their own hearts and their own minds are going, God, what's going on? I've done what you've asked me to do, but how come it's getting worse? It's not getting better. It seems like it's getting worse. And this is where these two kings were in this wilderness experience, and they couldn't move forward because they couldn't drink. They had nothing to drink. So even if we started war, we'd all die because we don't have any nourishment. How are we going to do this? And the, they consulted the prophet. The prophet of God says, hear the word of the Lord. Watch this. Every man began to dig a ditch. And when you dig the ditch, come on, I'm going somewhere with this. When you dig the ditch, he said, God will fill it up with water. 
but you will not hear the wind or the sound of a storm, and you will not see the rain or hear the rain descend. It's going to be supernatural. Watch this. They receive a word from God. God's saying, I want to give you a breakthrough. God's saying, I want to give you, I want to, I want to give you a, a way to sustain you. God's actually, actually saying to you, I'm going to cause you to win this war. It's not me that's going to bring you down. But the only thing that can bring you down is you. In other words, he's saying, at some point, you've got to activate your faith and you've got to obey the word of the Lord no matter what it looks like. And here they are, not a cloud in the sky, and telling their men who have no energy left to take the energy that they do have to dig a ditch where there is no water. And then tell them God said they wouldn't send no rain either. So how in the world are dishes going to be filled with water if there is no rain? That's God's business. Our business is to be obedient and to walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody say amen. And now then, the Bible says they woke up that morning and lo and behold, supernaturally because of their faith. Because they operated in faith and began to sweat and do what God asked them to do and dig a ditch. God supernaturally filled them with water and they had all the water they could possibly drink, filled their canteens. They were ready for war. And the same morning that the, the camp of the enemy woke up, they looked and they saw the sun come up around the horizon. As the sun was coming up, y'all don't hear me. As the sun was coming up around the horizon, God tricked them because when the orange, that red sun hit that water that they saw across the wilderness, what they did not have the day before, they saw what they thought were puddles of blood everywhere. And they thought that the war had already started without them and that everybody had killed each other. And they said, out of their greed, they said, let us go and get the spoil. The war has already taken place. Look at all the blood. But God drew them into a war and ambushed them. And when they got there, the people of God said, this is going to be easy today. And took care of business, started killing them, and ran them all off into the mountains. I'm here to tell somebody that you think the enemy is going to take you out with a God who's about ready to set you up for success like you've never seen before? I preached it till you got tired, praise God. Are y'all following me so far? God does what God does, but we've got to be obedient to the word that he calls us to. Somebody say it's time to ditch. I said somebody say it's time to ditch. Time to ditch the bad attitude. Time to ditch that sorrow. Time to ditch that doubt and unbelief. Time to ditch those unspiritual friends of yours. Somebody shout it's time to ditch. Write that down in the comments. It's time to ditch. Church, if you're going to get out of your problem, you're going to have to reach by faith to think and to talk supernaturally. You're going to have to do it the way God showed us to do it in his word. This is all throughout the word of God. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. You had the three Hebrew boys that were told, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. And they decided, we'll never bow to you, Nebuchadnezzar. It's not that we want to be disrespectful, but there's only one God. There's only one person we bow to, and that is the God of heaven, and to him only. And we do that three times a day. And they say, well, if you do that, you're going to bow. And every single time of the day if they were supposed to pray they would bow their knee and they would submit themselves unto the Lord God and then somebody set it up and they were watching them and said told the king did you know that the, the, the three Hebrew boys Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are being disrespectful and won't bow but continue to bow to God instead of you and to your idol and they said he said bring them to me we're going to have to throw them in the fire and they stoked that thing up seven times hotter than before but you know what I want you to get this today is this that before they went in they asked them what's going on and he said again we don't mean to be disrespectful but we'll never bow our knee. Watch what they said. God will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
In other words, they saw something that the king couldn't see. And watch this. They did throw him in the fire, but they were not burned. How about David and Goliath? And David, he's the only one that's got the gun. Matter of fact, I'm working on something right now. There's great revelation. I'm studying this out right now with this. But suffice it to say today is that God said, God put anointed David, but nobody knew it. He killed a lion. He killed a bear. God anointed him to do it, but nobody knew this. But David knew. He sees Goliath. He says, how dare he? And a righteous indignation came up on the inside of him and said, are we going to allow this guy to cuss us out the way? Who does he think he is? I don't care if he's 13 foot tall. Dig a 14 foot grave because he's going in it today. Enough is enough. This is we're not. If you'll let me fight. And he goes out there, not with a shield or a sword. He gets mocked at. He gets cussed out by this giant. He's actually, the giant's actually offended that they send this boy warrior to fight him of great knowledge of war. And, and David says these words, this day. He speaks to the giant. This day, the Lord will put you into my hand. And I'm going to kill you. And I'm going to take off your head. And I'm going to feed your body to the beasts of the field. And he, flings, he slings that rock, and that rock goes and sinks into his forehead, and David kills the giant. Watch this. He speaks a word, and then he activates the word. He don't just speak it. He, then he draws what he does have. He takes what's in his hand. He takes the rod. Come on, somebody. He takes the stone. What do you have to offer God? And by faith, that'll bring your giants down. By faith, that'll bring your enemies down. The natural, non-spiritual man will talk you out of your destiny. Because why? He's corrupt. He has limitations. He's got his own limitations and lack. How he's supposed to see how good you're going to be and how successful you're going to be. So he speaks that way. And if you listen to it, it'll begin to tear you down. That's why I said get rid of your unspiritual so-called friends. They don't, look, it's okay to be nice to people, but you can't become one with them. You gotta get with people who are gonna who are gonna motivate you and strengthen you and 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 the Bible even says in the New Testament to get around people and talk about the things of God to begin to bolster your faith. And I just want to say, I'm not gonna let some man or some news organization or some other person of trouble talk me out of what God's promised me, period. You gotta have a made-up mind like that. I told people on Thursday, I, and I've been saying it for, for a while now, turn the news off. Stop getting on your phone every three seconds. You got alerts coming. Oh, this news. Hey, look what's going on here. Uh, you know, at some point, guys, we're either going to be saved or we're not going to be saved. We're going to live by the word of God or we're not going to live by the word of God. The word, if anything God is doing in this hour right now, he is literally separating the, the, the sheaf from the wheat. He is separating. Why? And I'm not saying he's separating you. I'm saying he's separating the things of, in your life that are not of him. So that you will make a decision. I'm going to walk the way God says to walk. This is the freedom we have right now. If there's any been, look, people are bold about their sin. Why can't we be bold about our faith? Well, they'll think I'm crazy. First of all, why do you care what they think? Second of all, come on somebody. Second of all, but what they think, they think you're crazy already anyways. Well, I'm afraid people start talking behind my back. You might not say that out loud, but that's what you think. They're going to start talking about me behind my back at work. They're already talking about you behind your back at work. Give them something to talk about. Amen. You think, you think they're talking about I promise you they are. People smile. Hi, how are you doing? God bless you. That's good to see you. As soon as you walk away, girl, did you hear? 
They think you're nuts anyways. Right? So at least begin to make more sense in the area of saying, well, here's why you think I'm nuts. Because the word says this, and I'm going to stand upon what the word of God says. Amen. The world will never accept our behavior because what we have is called a good report. And the good report comes out of the kingdom of God. The rest of it is called the evil report because it comes out of the kingdom of man. Twelve spies were sent in by Moses. Go spy out the land. Tell us what we have. They come back. Ten says, we, aren't, we, can't, go, we can't do this. We, we, gotta re, we have to regroup here because there's giants in the land. And they're greater than I and they're mightier than us and they're, and, and they're greater than us. We cannot, the land even will consume us. And then the two said, Jacob and Caleb said, by the way, it's interesting, we can know their names. I remember Jacob and Caleb. Can anybody else cite the names of the other ten? They're not memorable. But Jacob and Caleb came back and said, oh, my God, did you see the grapes? Did you see how beautiful the, the fruit and vegetation was? Did you see how gorgeous? I already got my land picked out, praise God. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. We are well able. Let's go and attack them tonight. How can we have two different reports? How can we be so divided as, as, as a nation? Somebody's got to be wrong here. Church, I'm here to tell you, this is where God is at. We have to choose what God says. Whose report shall you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. And the Bible says Jacob and Caleb came back and offered a good report. While the other ten came back, which, by the way, was the majority. Was the majority. They came back and said, they said what they said, and God called it an evil report. God, God will work with, you don't understand this, God. God takes things that are small, misfits. He takes the things that, that don't look like anything that ever happened out of it at all. The little, he takes 30,000 men and whittles it down to 300 just to show himself strong. And he took two and said, we're well able. And they said, let's go. And Moses said, I'm going to go with the good report because the good report lines up with the God report. And they went in and God gave them victory after victory after victory after victory after victory. And he wants to do the same thing with you. But by faith, you've got to align yourself with the word of God. Church, God doesn't just want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. Everything that God made, he made for you to succeed. I don't have any more time, but you can study Genesis chapter 1. It's all about you succeeding. It's all about you getting to the next level. Genesis 8, God, after the flood, reminds Noah and says these, in verse 20, these words in verse 22. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, Day and night shall not cease. In other words, what looks like devastation, the flood was absolute total devastation. But God gives a word and says what? It ain't over yet. I'm not done doing what I started to do. The end is not here. This means your marriage isn't over yet. This means your financial situation isn't over yet. Your health isn't over yet. Your destiny isn't over with. And guess what? America isn't over with. Somebody shout and say, it ain't over. Genesis 9-1. 
So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. God's always about renewing and multiplication. Renewing and multiplication. He gives them a do-over. Aren't you glad that our God gives us a do-over? I believe that there are times that God allows difficulties in our lives to stir us up, to force us not to lay back and accept our circumstances. So don't you settle. Don't you give in. Don't you cave in. Don't you come under pressure. Fight with all you got in the name of Jesus. Stand up and be heard and be bold and fight back. I'm going to give you this statement. There's a dynamic in the demonic. There's a deliverance in the dilemma. There's Christ in the chaos. And there's gold in the garbage. Somebody say amen. God wants to take the seed that appears so insignificant, so small, so inconsequential, and make it a big deal. God takes the seed. Let me tell you something. A seed is nothing. If you eat it, it's gone forever. You could take a promise like a seed and, 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 and say, well, I need it today, and you, and, or put it in your pocket or, or throw it in the garbage. It will never, ever, it's done. But that same seed has so much promise and potential that if you'll just by faith plant it in the ground, you will never, ever go hungry again. The seed will always for generation after generation after generation be prepared blessing for when you're long gone in for hundreds of generations and thousands after you this is how the seed operates listen to me carefully church let me tell you something about the seed hannah wanted to have a child she was so embarrassed and so humiliated that all her friends had children but she could not conceive because the bible says her her she her, her there was barrenness in her womb And so she went to the temple every day and begged God for a miracle. Interestingly enough, she wanted a son. God needed a prophet. Because there was no widespread revelation in those days. The Bible says, and that prophecy was rare. It hardly ever happened. And God wanted not just a prophet, but the best prophet that ever walked the planet during those days. And he knew that it was in her. And he caused the frustration in her to cry out to God. And she said, God, if you'll only give me a son. If you give me a son, I'll give him to you. I just want to know what it means to be a mother. And he said, honey, I've been looking for you to say that because I need a prophet. And he's in your womb. And I'm going to let you be the mother. You'll be his mother. I don't want to be his mother. You'll be his mother. But I want to teach him my ways. And Samuel became the greatest prophet known to mankind in those days. No one had been like him ever on the earth. He was a powerful, righteous man, which Israel needed desperately. The earth needed desperately. Now watch this. It doesn't stop there. So God, this is, this is the principle. If you give what God wants to him, he gives you what you want. Not only did she birth a son called Samuel, and God got the prophet he wanted, and she became a mother for the first time. But she got five additional children after that. God renews you. God multiplies you. When you give your offering today, think of those things. It is a seed. It is a seed. It is a seed. You don't eat your seed. You don't take the finances and consume it upon yourself. You take that portion, that 10%. And you say, God, on the end, 10 and offering. And you take that. People are giving their together offering as well. Thank God for you. The together campaign continues going. And you take it as a seed. And you plant it in the ground. You give God what he wants. He gives you what you want. And it becomes a perpetual harvest to you, your children, and your children's children. Why do we do that? So the gospel continues to be preached in Milwaukee. 
so that we can continue to build our, our church to be a legacy. The day will come. We were going to pay this building off. The day will come. We're going to hand the keys to another generation and say, go for it. you got no financial uh, obligations. Just, just go preach the gospel for Jesus Christ. We're going to build other churches. And we're going to raise people up through our school of ministry. And that's coming. You'll be hearing more about that. A little bit on hold because of the COVID, but we didn't know it was going to happen. But here we go. And we're going to have other church. We want to bless them financially so they can get started, have a whole year of finances to get started in their journey and help them pay for their projects and everything be debt-free. It only happens when people are faithful with the seed that they do have. Take what you do have. Plant it in the ground, and God will give you your miracle and your harvest. I felt people in this room need to hear that. People online need to be reminded of that that God's going to do it. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. It's happening.